because tonight we're going to talk about an adversary. We're going to talk about the adversary. And he is, as it says in the book of Revelation, when he knows his time is short, he gets very aggressive. And we've seen him now. He is very aggressive. And he's got his minions all over the place. And the great falling away happened. And the, even natural law is now not true, let alone spiritual law. The whole world is in a delusion because the adversary now knows his time is short. And we just sang about Yeshua coming back. And I have to say, I hope it's tonight. Even tomorrow would be good. But uh, why would I want to stay here when I can go there? But anyway, it's all going to happen at its appointed time. We're going to see that unfold too. So the adversary. Now you remember, just as the background, that the devil used to be, a long time ago, we don't know exactly when it happened, because the Bible doesn't tell us when, but he was Lucifer. He was the light of the morning. He was, you know, a bright light. He was the most beautiful creature of creation. And he fell, of course. We're going to talk about that briefly. But he fell because of pride. And, you know, the basis of... I think almost every sin is pride. And he was no different, except he had it in the greatest level. Because, you know, as uh, Milton says, you know, in his book, um, it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's that's, uh, Satan's thought. That's what he goes by. And the interesting thing is he can never repent. None of those demons are ever going to go back to heaven. Isn't that interesting? Do you ever think about that? There's no plan of salvation for the angels that fell. Satan can't get down on his disgusting little knees and repent. But yet Adam and Eve fell. And all of this came as a result of Adam and Eve falling. Because there's salvation planned for us, but not for the angels. So we know him better as Satan where does that come from? The adversary. An adversary. Now, this is an adversary who can have all of us for breakfast. This is an adversary who's brilliantly intelligent. He's been around for a long time. He doesn't have to eat. He doesn't have to sleep. He can just do his little work all the time traveling from here to, you know, Painesville, not a problem for him. Traveling from here to Mongolia, not a problem for him, along with all those little minions. So his name is the adversary. And you don't have to think for more than about eight seconds to realize that he's an adversary. Starting in the garden, everything starts in the garden been an adversary ever since. So Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not kind of, you know, strolling around 
saying, oh, I don't know what to do today. He's like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So he says, ha, that guy, he's slim pickings. Oh, her? <laughs> no problem. I can have some pipsqueak little demon take care of that. I don't have to be, I can go after bigger fish. He's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He tempted Yeshua, the God-man. Now, if he tempted Yeshua, is he going to have any problem coming after you? <laughs> For him, it's a joke. Yeah, you know, James says, you believe? Well, that's great. The demons believe, too. People say, well, I believe. Well, James says, that's great. The, de the demons believe, too. They know there's a God. They know who Jesus is. They know what he did. There's a little more to it than that. But James also says, resist the devil. He will flee from you. So he's an adversary, but we're not helpless. In our own strength, we would be helpless, but we're not helpless because the fight, like that last song said, the fight, the battle has already been won. Now there's mop-up operations going on. And it's easy to get discouraged, but we know who wins at the end. You know, Psalm 2 says, God looks down on all these people plotting against him and against his anointed, and it says he laughs. Everything that's going on in the world today is not a mystery to him. He's not in heaven saying, oh, I never thought it would get this bad. What am I going to do now? This is all in his providence. He's letting certain things happen for reasons, but that's not what we're going to talk about. So he's a roaring lion. Paul in Ephesians 6 warns us in a military way. We talk about this as a battle, a military way. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Hosts means there's lots of them. You know, in the, in the, in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, God's called Lord, the Lord God of hosts. Because it's talking about the hosts of heaven because there's so many angels. And when those things were written, there were no people there yet. Now there's a host of heavens include angels and people. Well, Satan's got hosts too. We don't know. According to Isaiah, maybe a third of all the angels fell. So even if there's 100,000 angels, that's a lot. But anyway, we don't know how many there are. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, if you're fighting against humans, if you're fighting against an enemy that you can see coming through the parking lot, you can make a plan to defend yourself. You can make a plan to take the enemy on. This is an enemy that you don't see. This is an enemy that says, oh, come on. You really believe that? Come on. I thought you were a pretty smart guy. What are you wasting your time doing that for? Man, why don't you just have some fun? Make some money, relax. We can't see the enemy. So, 
First John chapter 3, this is John's first epistle. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. <clears throat> for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. It takes the Son of God to destroy the works of the devil. We can't do that. We can resist, but we can't destroy him. We can't destroy his works. You know, in 1 Corinthians, it says, we're never tempted beyond our ability to resist. And then there's a second part to that, which is, and God will always provide a way out for you out of the temptation. Isn't that interesting? You won't, it won't be so overwhelming that you can't resist it. You can say, oh, I just was too overwhelmed. I had to do it. But he also provides a way out. So the Son of God had to come, had to be manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Now, most people in the world don't believe that there is a devil. Most people in the world don't believe that there's a hell. There's people in churches that preach universalism. Everybody's saved. I mean, unless you're just a total sickening degenerate. Yeah, you know, Hitler's in hell and a few disgusting mass murderers are in hell, but anybody else? You know, they've changed Yeshua's teaching of the broad road to destruction to the broad road to salvation and the narrow road goes to hell now because hardly anybody on it. Hardly anybody. Because, of course, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. Romans chapter 1. Read that for your homework, too. So how do people see the adversary? Well, I don't really believe there's a devil. The God I believe in would never send anybody to hell. The God I believe in is love. And sending somebody to hell is not love. So therefore, everybody is saved. Because we're nice, he's nice, everybody's nice. So how do we see the adversary? Oh, he's a little cartoon character. Oh, he's another little cartoon character. Isn't he cute? He's got the little ear, little horns. He's got the little pitchfork. He's even got a tail. You know, you see these little devils on TV, children's cartoons. So what that tells you in your mind is, huh, that's not much of an adversary. He's kind of cute, actually. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, Satan can become an angel of light. He knows the scripture better than you do. He could come looking like an angel of light. So this is how we see him. So, oops. Oh, click on the wrong clicker. So Satan's tried to make a joke of himself because it influences more people. So I'm going to go to hell with that guy? Might be kind of fun. I mean, look how cute he is. He doesn't talk about the fire that never goes out and the worm that never dies. He talks about a cute little cartoon character. This is how many people see him. Not much of an adversary. 
But Paul wrote that the Son of God had to come to deal with him. I mean, can you imagine? And we've made a cartoon character out of him. Remember the cartoons when we were growing up where you got a little devil on one shoulder, a little angel on the other shoulder, and they're kind of telling you back and forth what to do. I mean, we've made a cartoon out of everything. So Yeshua saw it a little different. He saw it a little different. He came to undo this. He came to win this battle, win this war. He came to fight the battle for us. That doesn't mean we never have we never have to do anything. We don't have to fight the battle. He came to win the war for us because we can't win the war. We are defective. We can't keep 613 laws for a day, let alone your whole life. So what does Yeshua say about it? Oh, I forgot to put the you know when they well, when they got that new PowerPoint thing back there, it all gets unformatted. But anyway, and he's and this is Yeshua talking, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Can you imagine? Doesn't sound like that little cartoon character. You know, Lucifer was this brilliant, beautiful, shining angel who probably sang really well. (laughs) Probably all the other angels said, wow, look at him. Wow. Look, his wings are like five times bigger than mine. I just got these little dopey ones. (laughs) Where's Jordan? But anyway, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He got cast out of heaven. So how does that happen? You know, he's talking about the adversary. He's talking about Lucifer slash Hasatan. He's talking about the adversary. He sees him fall. Number one, he's cast out of heaven. And of course, God saw that. He did it. So Yeshua said, I saw it happen. Another level. He knows the work of the cross, what the work of the cross is going to be. And I'm going to see Satan fall again in a different way. Satan's not going to have dominion over the people that come to me like he's had all these centuries and all these millennia. The cross is going to change that. I'm going to take that suffering on. I'm going to despise it. I'm going to despise the shame of it, but I'm going to do it. I want to do it. Because this is the only solution. And he sees how the gospel is going to be preached in the world right after he leaves. So Satan's going to have a fall. We don't know. In our day, it doesn't look like he's had much of a fall. But there's more people that are fighting the fight than we know. There's always a remnant that's fighting. So he sees him fall in three different ways. So he's a beautiful angel that fell because of pride. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 6, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. He's talking about if you're puffed up with pride, you're going to fall into the same condemnation as the devil. You know, Proverbs, um, 
I think it's chapter eight. There's a list of things that God hates the most. And the first one on the list is a prideful look. Prideful look. The old King James calls it haughty eyes, which I always thought was kind of cool. But it's a prideful look. You know, it's like when you go, I did that. (laughs) That guy didn't do. I did that. (laughs) That guy didn't do anything. He doesn't know. That guy doesn't know anything. I did that. God hates that. He hates the shedding of innocent blood. He hates feet that run to shed blood. You can read Proverbs 8 for your homework. So he's puffed up with pride. So in John 12, 31, now remember John, in John's gospel, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, are all happening at the Last Supper. They're all happening just before he's going to go to the cross, just before he's going to go to Gethsemane. And when we have our Seder meal here, and many of you will probably go to other Seder meals, and we'll be doing a bunch of Seder meals at churches and homes and stuff. I always think about those guys that night. They started eating at sundown. They ate a huge dinner. They had three full cups of wine. Then they went outside. It was cool. They walked from the upper room to the Mount of Olives. It's probably a good two miles. Didn't have a taxi. Didn't have Uber. They walked it. They got to the garden, which they had been to many, many times. Jesus never stayed in Jerusalem. He always stayed on the Mount of Olives when he was in town. (laughs) There's no documentation anywhere in the scripture that he stayed in Jerusalem, except maybe the three days he was missing when he was 12. But anyway, they get to the garden, and he says to them, I'm going to go over there and pray. And they go, yeah, okay, you go ahead there. Yeah, you go ahead and pray. We're just going to lay here for a little while. Stomach full of food, three big cups of wine. Walk in the cool evening. Is there any wonder that they fell asleep? Is there any wonder we would fall asleep? If Jesus himself was physically here saying, stay awake with me for an hour, we'd say, okay. Let me know when the hour's up. <laughs> so he says in John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the ruler of this world cast out. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. What is he calling the adversary? The ruler of this world. The ruler of this world calls him the prince of darkness. Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air. Paul didn't know anything about radios, didn't know anything about internets, didn't know anything about TV. But he calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. Guess who's taken over all the entertainment industry and the news medias? and the So now's the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of the world is going to be cast out. Why does he say now? Because as soon as we're done eating, it starts. In fact, it already started. This is Passover. This is the Seder. I'm going to be the sacrifice today. Not this lamb we just ate. Not the lambs that everybody at home is cooking. I'm going to be the lamb, capital L. Because the judgment is here. The ruler of the world is going to be cast out. 
This is the appointed time. Now it's here. They've been waiting since Genesis 3.15. They didn't know Genesis 3.15. But they've been waiting since Genesis 3.15 for the Redeemer that was going to come and crush Satan's head. It's going to happen today, is what Yeshua was telling them. You read that passage a million times? Today's the day it's going to happen. Today's the day. Satan's going to finally be conquered. Today, this is the appointed time. It wasn't 50 years ago. Not going to be 50 years from now. Not going to be next week. It's going to be today. After so long waiting, from the seed of the woman is going to come he who's going to crush the serpent's head. And it's going to happen today. Those guys probably didn't think that. They were probably thinking, what's he talking about? I thought we were just going to have a Seder and go home. So long of a time. It's prefigured through the whole Torah. Blood, sin, blood, sin, blood. Blood. The best offerings because of sin. Blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It's pointing to today. He could. I know you guys went to the synagogue every week and you heard all these readings. I know some of you just went for the coffee and donuts. But I'm telling you, if you listen to the readings, all that stuff's going to happen today. The prophets came and talked about it. Jeremiah 31, the new covenant. I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It won't be like the old covenant. It's going to be in your heart. And guess what? It's going to start tonight. It starts today. This is the appointed time when it's all coming. Today, there's going to be righteousness apart from the law. You all haven't done a great job with righteousness according to the law. In fact, none of you are righteous. Not a one of you. So Romans 3, 2021, now a righteousness apart from the law has been revealed, which is by faith. There's even a new kind of righteousness coming, starts today. Everything starts today. That day was what everything pointed to and what we look back to. People always say to me, Oh, what do you do on Good Friday? I say, every day is Good Friday. Every day is Easter. Every day is Christmas. Every day is Good Friday. If you don't think about the cross 20 times a day, you don't get what happened there. You might be in the crowd that says, gee, you know, he was such a good teacher. Too bad they killed him. He says, everything starts today. And the Greek word that's used there is krisis. I couldn't make Greek the Greek characters of my word processor, but I didn't try very hard. So I made it look a little different than crisis. You know, when you put a K for a C, it, you can make it look German or you can make it look Greek. Or... People laughing even without Jordan, this is good. So it's crisis, which actually is a legal term in the Greek. And it means judgment. It's an action against someone. 
And Yeshua said, this is an action against the ruler of the world. Now, they're sitting there eating, thinking, what, what's he talking about? We're having dinner here. That's why, you know, Peter talks about a sword and, you know, all this kind of stuff goes on. You know, oh, are we going to be in a fight? I thought we were just eating tonight. And tomorrow's your Shabbat. Can we wait till Sunday to start the fight? Does it have to be tonight? He says, this is the judgment. This is the judgment against the ruler of the world and against the world. Because the humans living in the world aren't scot-free. We all have to answer. The only solution, the only defense. And of course, the next morning, all the transgressions and all the iniquities are laid on him. Isaiah 52 and 53. Which you should know by heart. Pretty close to by heart. And that's how we're healed. That's why by those stripes... Stripes, he's talking about the whip marks. Remember last year when we had Dave Onisco here, he said there's between 100 and 200 lashes on that body. The Romans weren't limited to the, you know, 40 lashes minus one. When they got to execute somebody, that was their form of entertainment. They hated being there. They hated the people. Oh, good. Today we got to execute three guys. Let's go. Won't be a boring day, finally. We'll just whip this guy 200 times. And then we'll pound nails into him. You know, you hear people say, oh, I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. Oh, shut up. That's a real sacrifice. That's a real sacrifice. That will really make you a disciple. (laughs) So everything's laid on him. It's the only solution. And he says this judgment against this dark power who's ruling the world. You know, Paul tells us all the gods of the pagans were all demonic. They're all demons. You know, when you were worshiping Zeus, you were worshiping a demon. And the Israelites couldn't get enough of it. They wanted to do idol worship. We can't get enough of it. We want to worship as many idols as we can. Because after all, we want to have fun. We want to eat well. We want to relax. We want to go every, you know, we want to go to the doctor for every freckle that comes out. We want to make sure that we take the right number of pills. We want to make sure that, you know, I'm going to live to be 98 instead of 92 Oh, shut up. Those are our idols. So he's talking about the adversary, the corrupter. He's corrupted everything in the world. He's corrupted everything in the world from the garden through now. Do you ever wonder what people say in heaven when they meet Adam and Eve? I know they're in the witness protection program, and they're probably in a separate place. When everybody gets their glorified body, they'll be the only two without belly buttons. So you'll be able to identify them. <laughs> I hope Jordan's at least watching. 
So he's the adversary. It's a judgment for the rulership of the world. It's the promised one from Genesis 3.15 versus the serpent that's in Genesis 3. It's a battle. It's a battle. The promised one versus the serpent. The Lord, all capital letters, Yahweh, versus the usurper who thinks he's the ruler of the world. But he kind of is. People would rather follow him. It's much easier. <laughs> much easier. You'll have more fun if you follow him. It's the truth versus the lie. All about to go to battle with each other. So he's the ruler of the world. He rules over people using the things of the world. And using the dark things of the world. Because we like them. You know, also in Proverbs it says, sin gives pleasure for a season. You're involved in some sin and, well, for a while it's kind of fun. Gives pleasure for a season. And Yeshua says he's a liar and a murderer. Everybody listens to him. He's a liar because he's not telling you the truth. He's a murderer because of what he tells you to do is going to lead you to eternal death. So he's a liar and a murderer. So Satan's going to be cast out. The world's going to be reconciled. Sin and death are going to be conquered by the cross. Jesus of Nazareth has to die in order to conquer death. He has to die and and rise. Conquers death. 1 Corinthians 15, one of the best chapters in the whole Bible, about the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, our sins. We're the most pathetic of all people if there was no resurrection. Because we put our faith in a dead guy who died and he's still dead. Not much of a Messiah. Not much of a Savior. I like in The Chosen where he says to Mary Magdalene, well, a redemption that lasts one day is not much of a redemption. <laughs> but by the cross, all of this is going to be conquered. The blood is going to conquer sin. His dying and rising is going to conquer death. So the Paul's going to say, death, where is your sting? Everybody's biggest fear is that they're going to die. Right? And Satan loves hanging that over you. John 14, 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of the world is coming. The fight is on. In fact, they're already going from the temple toward Gethsemane, or they're getting ready to go. They probably didn't even bother eating the Seder. They just got their stuff together and started organizing. The ruler of the world is coming. The time is up. He's coming right now. They knew about rulers, you know. They knew about princes. They knew about kings. They had, you know, Tiberius was the emperor. His image was on all the coins. And, you know, they saw soldiers. Every they knew about government. But what Yeshua's telling them is, you don't understand the kind of government I'm going after. It's dark and it's powerful. And it's been ruling the world. But tonight, 
Today, it's going to change. Because, of course, evening of Thursday is already Friday. Right? So all of this happens on Friday, including the Last Supper, the Last Seder. So the prince of this world is his enemy. And the conflict is approaching. And he says, the Greek there means Satan has nothing at all in this fight. He can't touch me. He has nothing against me. He can't come against me anything. You know, it's not like God and Satan are equal powers and they fight it out. Satan has nothing against divine power. Right? Of course, right. So Satan can have no advantage here. I'm telling you guys right now, I know you guys are a sorry bunch of dopes and you don't, you're not going to understand this for a long time, but what's going to happen today, Satan's going to have no advantage here whatsoever. Back to John 8. Now, now here he's talking to the religious leaders. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Yeshua answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If you're living in your dark life of sin, you're a slave. This was the whole point of the Passover, the Pesach. They were slaves in Egypt. We're slaves to sin. They were delivered. We're delivered. The blood delivered them. The blood delivers us and so forth. So when you commit sin, when you live in sin, you're a slave of sin. But a slave doesn't run the house, but the son does. And I'm telling you, I'm the son. And if I make you free, you're going to be free indeed. No one else can give you freedom from your life of sin. I'm the only one that can do that. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. This didn't come as a surprise to him. <laughs> I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have seen with your father. You see what he's going to get to. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now they go from Abraham's our father to God is our father. Yeshua said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. These are the religious leaders. These are the guys, big things on, all the cool stuff. Somebody gives me a bushel of wheat. I got to give 10% into the thing. We keep the law here. Those schmucks over there, they don't keep the law. 
you guys don't keep the law. Your master doesn't keep the Shabbat. We do all of that stuff. Well, your father's the devil. Where did this overwhelming thing about meek and mild Jesus come from? I think he gives it to him pretty good. Because this is very serious business. Very serious business. Since you don't know God and you don't know me, you can't understand what I'm saying to you. Because your father is the adversary. He's blocking you from understanding this. Why don't you guys get this? And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Your father's the adversary, who I'm here to destroy. I'm here to fight. This is the conflict. You guys are on his side. He was talking about liberty, and he's telling them they're bound. They don't understand the idea of liberty. They don't understand the idea of liberty. They don't understand grace. They don't understand the new covenant of Jeremiah 31, 31. They're still bound to things. He's talking about liberty. They didn't it. So they bring up their heredity. He says, oh, that's great. You know, Paul talks about that in Romans. He goes, hey, just because you're descended biologically from Abraham doesn't mean you're awesome, doesn't mean you're saved, doesn't mean anything. Salvation doesn't go through the bloodstream. If you're a believer... You're a spiritual child of Abraham. I'm happy to be grafted in. I'm happy to say Abraham's my father in faith, my spiritual father, because the last promise to Abraham was, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Nations, Gentiles, sickening, disgusting, dirty people will be saved, will be blessed because of your descendant who is Yeshua. And it's all happening now. You guys aren't the sons of the house. He brings freedom. The Greek means the real freedom. You know, you can live in a dictatorship and be free in the Lord, right? He's not talking about political freedom. He's not talking about, hey, you know what? In a few days, I'm getting rid of these Romans. Then we're going to have freedom. No. He's talking about freedom from the slavery to sin. So they didn't do the things that Abraham did. They talked like their father. And he tells them, Satan's your father. The adversary is your father. If God were your father, you'd understand what I'm saying. But you can't understand my words because your father's a liar and a murderer. The church today... I don't care what denomination you're in. It's full of people like this. Don't know the scriptures. Don't know what liberty is. Don't know what grace is. Well, maybe we kind of overdid it. Yeah, you know, maybe we overdid it. You know, I can promise you one thing. Whichever one of you, you want to use as an example, 
let's use John as an example since he's sitting in the front. But, you know, he gives his life to Yeshua, and he does his service and ministry and all the things that he does. Then when he dies and comes face-to-face with Yeshua, I think the chances are very slim that Yeshua is going to say to him, you know, you took me way too seriously. You got really, you know, you should have relaxed a little bit more. You know, you got, you got like too intense. I mean, that wasn't necessary. He's not going to say that. What's he going to say? Well done, good and servant. Don't you want to hear that? So what we look at as the cartoon adversary, laugh, laugh, laugh. Yeshua looked at as the adversary, who's the power of darkness, the ruler of the world, the one I've come to destroy, the conflict that started in the garden is all going to come to a head in just a few hours. This is the time of the battle. Now, those guys in that room couldn't possibly have understood that. We barely understand it. We have 2,000 years to think about it. I'm not really that old. But the church has been for 2,000 years, but it's pretty hard to understand. But he tells them in simple terms, this is a war. I'm here to fight the ruler. I'm here to fight the guy who has you in This is it. Torah, prophets, writings, all come through true tonight, tomorrow during the day, which is the same day. So I think as we're approaching Passover, we're approaching Holy Week, Good Friday, Resurrection Day, we got to keep these things in mind. We got to keep these things in mind every day.